Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. The Milwaukee Bucks are the 2021 NBA champions. Teams in college football are deciding whether or not they want to stay put and screw everything up for everybody else. And maybe the Yankees aren't half bad with their AAA squad. But we get into the NBA Finals. Bucks in six. Sorry, Suns and four guy. Not this time. And who had it correct on this show? For anybody that's a loyal listener, you could have went and made bank after game one, made even bigger bank after game two if you just listened to Allen White Plains, who never wavered from the Milwaukee Bucks, even in their lowest of times, because, well, from all the stuff we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, and it hasn't all been rosy. I'll be the first one to admit it's fun busting Giannis's balls sometimes, especially when you're a fan of another team and other star players. You bust chops. That's what you do in the league. You rip them because you think they could be better, and you know in the back of the, your mind that eventually they might be. And that was the case in this NBA Finals, which ended up being historic. Freyanis Antetokounmpo, both individually and for his team, phenomenal performances for the whole finals, really, but the last closeout games to cap a 50 burger in game six to lead his Bucks to a home win and an incredible celebration in Milwaukee with half the world seemingly celebrating outside the stadium, which I'm still not a huge fan of. I don't understand why you'd stand outside for eight plus hours, not being able to move to watch a game on a computer monitor when you could just go there afterward. But that's just me. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. Ton of storylines and excitement after that. But like we said, tip your cap to the old report on this show because he, for once, made you some bucks. Indeed, for once, indeed, for once is correct. Pun intended, no pun intended. Made you some bucks. Meetings to all our listeners and fans. And I hope that they all enjoyed these playoffs and the finals as much as I did. Not simply because of one, but how competitive it got uh, really after the first game uh, slash game and a half. Uh, it really turned into a knockdown drag out battle. It was not the prettiest of basketball at times. Back sometimes it was downright ugly in terms of turnovers and poor shooting, but it was hard fought. It was plenty of effort. Thankfully, it was not a three point fest, which we've talked about that I have gotten very sick of, and it wasn't dominated by guys just pulling up from the logo uh, because of the matchup. And we'll talk about that as we go a little further along. But in terms of the team that won it, you think about the fact that it's been 50 years, just like it was for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, when they won their 
previously first and only Super Bowl when the Bucs won their first and only NBA championship 50 years ago. Now they do it in 2021 after a young Lou Cinder led them in 1971. And they're led by another giant, the great Giannis. He literally climbed the ladder of success, not just throughout his career to get to this moment, but literally climbed the ladder of success and went through peaks and valleys in this postseason. Think about where we were only a month ago. We talked about, I believe, game two on the line in Brooklyn against the former New Jersey Nets. And Giannis bobbles slash drops slash fumbles the little handoff pass from Middleton under the bucket where he would have had an easy dunk to tie the game. Instead, it winds up being a turnover. Next thing you know, instead of a chance to go back to Milwaukee 1-1, they go back to Milwaukee down 2-0. We're calling it a choke job. He can't get it done at a big spot. Same old Giannis. When is he going to learn? Can't knock down his free throws. They battle back. They lose a stunning game five in one of the all-time performances by Kevin Durant, even it up, and then game seven on the road, and in a absolute classic game seven, both teams putting everything on the line, their stars completely gassed. It looked like the series was over. I thought the series was over. But no, because of the size of Kevin Durant's feet, and I don't say that in any insulting fashion, because he said it himself, if he was half a size or a size smaller, his two-pointer to tie it with a second left would have been a three-pointer in game seven, and it would have gone down as one of the all-time game-winning shots in the history of NBA basketball, regular season, postseason, you name it. And instead, they go to overtime. Giannis leads them, the big bucket in the paint, the big jump hook. They find a way. They lose game one at home against Atlanta. Next thing you know, in terms of the lowest of low, we all thought Giannis was in serious trouble. Many, including me, thought that that was a torn ACL. It turned out to be just just a hyperextended knee. Sits out the last few games of the series. They win despite that. And they roll into Phoenix with a Giannis ready to go. He plays game one relatively well, but Phoenix plays terrific. Chris Paul has a fabulous game. They fall down one nothing. Game two, much more competitive. They lose again, and it looks like they're in trouble again. Now, remember, they've already been down 2-0. They lost the first game at home in the conference finals to Atlanta. They battle back. They battle back with size. They battle back with strength, and they battle back with arguably the best big defender and without any dispute, without any argument the best small defender, what you saw in these playoffs and in this series is that there is one defender who stands out above the rest in the NBA when it comes to guards. And it's the guy who I have the man crush on, the guy who I think the Lakers had him, they'd win 70 games. The guy who the Bucks traded it all for, they gave up a boatload of collateral. Uh, they gave up a boatload of money and they traded for and signed Drew Holiday and his defense throughout these playoffs and especially 
in these finals was simply magnificent. He was suffocating, and to his credit, his coach deployed him in exactly the proper fashion, time after time after time. He puts him on Paul. He takes Paul out of the game. He controls Paul. When you control Paul, you control the Suns. He lets other defenders, Middleton and others, guard Booker and says, Booker's going to get 40. He's going to have to get 50 to beat me. He got 40 in two games. They lost them both. Get 50. Sometimes he was guarded by Holiday. And when he was guarded by Holiday, he was not nearly as, as, as effective. Didn't shoot nearly as well because Holiday is a premier defender from the guard spot. One of the best I literally have ever seen in my lifetime. The way he uses his strength, the way he has incredible movement with his feet. He never, ever gets caught leaving his feet. He never goes for pump fakes. He uses positioning incredibly well. He forced Chris Paul to his left constantly. He made... Booker worked incredibly hard for his 40 points when he was guarding him by making, everybody says, Kobe-esque shots, hotly contested mid-range jump shots, many of which he made, but many of which, which he missed. And he also did not allow Chris Paul to get the offense into a scenario where they were getting open looks for three, where they were getting open looks underneath for dunks, where extra passes result in threes. He controlled the Suns' defense, guarding for 94 feet from the foul line out for the entire series, and Giannis took care of the foul line in. He wore Aiton down, which you saw in game six. Aiton could not get up and down the court with him. He couldn't move his legs to get in position to draw charges. He was constantly reaching. He was worn down from Giannis's physicality and Giannis's refusal to let up. Giannis played 94 fucking feet in game six for 42 minutes up and down the court, every possession on offense, every possession on defense. He used his, what we have been dying for him to do. He did. He used his size, size matters. And they were the bigger team. They were the stronger team. They punished Chris Paul on both sides of the ball. No fault of his that he is not as strong and he's not as big as whoever he's guarding, whether it's Holiday, whether it's Middleton. They took him down low. They got him into the paint where he got banged around. He wasn't able to just play on the perimeter defensively. And he absolutely wore down in games. He wore down in the series. And to his credit, the much maligned coach Mike Budenhauser deployed Holiday in a perfect fashion, substitution-wise, picked up two fouls, went right back to him in game five, in the huge game five on the road where they were down very large early in holidays, the game of his life, and brings them back in it in game two, and they have the huge turnaround and then hang on for their dear life with, to me, the block was amazing of the LU, of, of, of the lob slash LU to Aiton. But the steal after they are on the verge of blowing the lead, after the honest missed free throw, up one, Booker with a chance to take the lead. He doesn't pull up and take the 17-footer. He goes into the paint. He turns. Holiday leaves Paul, rips the ball away with the strength, and instead of dribbling out the clock and looking to get fouled, simply the ballsiest pass you will ever see considering time and place. 
lob pass to Giannis, calling for the ball, throws it up there and says, quite simply in the post game, I threw it up as high as I could. I knew he'd get it. That's why they call him the Greek freak. Up 3-2, go home, take care of business. Giannis, a game six for the ages. 50 points, 14 boards, blocks, assists. He has an all-time game in the biggest game of his life. MVP, undoubtedly. Literally one of the greatest NBA Finals games I've ever seen. An all-time performance for the ages for Giannis. And he puts his stamp now as, quite frankly, the face of the NBA. And possibly basketball worldwide because he's on his way back to Greece after a hero's welcome in Milwaukee uh, and the parade today. He now takes his show abroad back home where he will be a national hero when he turns to Greece. Thoughts and prayers to Stephen A. That the face of basketball is now a Greek born player to two Nigerian parents. Thoughts and prayers. Stephen A. Was just happy to be back after busted, plain and simple. And I'm sure he didn't take those two games off voluntarily. Michael Wilbon was by himself after we called ESPN out for a couple of games. He was back after game six, but a much quieter Stephen A. But this is not about Stephen A. This is about plain and simple, the brilliant performance and the climb the ladder of greatness and success by Giannis. I still can't pronounce it. I'm not going to try and pronounce it. I still can't pronounce it. Folks, I call him Giannis because I can't pronounce his last name. Sorry. I'm 63 years old. I'm embarrassed. I still can't get it right. I'll let you do it. The Greek freak nickname is uh, also a great anecdote for the Anzatokounmpo part. It's not easy. You have to say it a little bit faster so people can't really critique you. And on kudos it. to Mike Breen, who never got it wrong. I don't know how much he practiced, but he used it regularly throughout these finals. Also, before I flip it to you, making it so incredibly enjoyable was listening to the three-man booth of Mike Breen, the great coach Jeff Van Gundy, and the one and only Mark Jackson, calling it like they saw it. Brilliant job breaking it down time after time after time, agreeing or disagreeing with strategy, with the way guys played, the way games played, the the approach of the coaches, etc. They, I don't listen to the games with the sound down when I've got those kind of announcers. My son gets pumped up for him, I get pumped up for him, and I thought they did an absolutely fabulous job throughout this postseason, and they were absolutely top flight for the entire finals run and let me add to that Malika Andrews in her first NBA finals her first four stars four reporting stars. and having to do pretty much everything post-game pre-game etc for the trophy ceremony asked the right questions let the moments breathe didn't try any agendas or leading questions was absolutely phenomenal at 26 years old on the brightest stage she was great Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. This was the series and the performance and the end result that NBA fans 
are always whining and clamoring about. Since this quote-unquote super team era has come into the league, where players are able to come and go as they please from teams and play with guys that they think they'll win championships with and big threes, etc. Giannis did what everyone begs and wants and pretends that they want players to do, which is stay with the team that drafted you, become a better player, turn into a superstar, wait for the team to build its pieces around you, stick around when then you have the chance to go and make some even more money than that, and then win the whole damn thing. He stayed with Milwaukee. He had his number two with Chris Middleton. He allowed the franchise to build around him and hat tip to them for doing so. He stayed in a small market. He was okay with the coach that they brought in and coach bud. And then he goes to the NBA finals and has one of the greatest performances from a single player that you'll ever see. This is exactly what everyone cries about when LeBron wins. Oh, it's always the Warriors and the Cavs. KD to the Nets. Why can we never get blah, blah, blah. So fucking enjoy it now. No more whining. No more excuses. No more pouting. This is exactly what everyone wants. And let's just enjoy the moment and have a fun time celebrating what he was able to do with the Milwaukee Bucks. All you had to do was turn on the last game and look at all the whack jobs, 65,000 plus standing outside a building to watch what was happening inside the building on what basically becomes a computer monitor. They didn't roll out a football yards worth of screen for everybody to see. There's one screen going. People are probably on their phone watching the game with a better view than what they could have had, but they were there. It was like Times Square, Al, just holding in your pee, nowhere to go. There's one random porta potty that's in a picture that God bless that. I can only even imagine what was inside of it. Just miserable conditions, but then nobody cared. Everybody was so excited to be where they were and to cheer on the team. It didn't matter what the outside environment was. They were so excited. It didn't make any difference. What Giannis did, not only historic for the Bucks, for himself amongst the echelon of NBA superstardom, he did what everybody complains no one does, and I have to tip my cap for that. This is what we want, and we finally got it. And he got to that point at press conferences saying the exact right things time and time again. Some of the quotes that he spewed out during the finals about not looking in the past, looking in the future, being in the present, this wisdom, and then goes out and drops, you know, 40 and 20 that same night. What he said after the game about being on a super team, ripping people because he doesn't make his free throws. Well, now I finally did. Every quote was worthy of a yearbook. This whole run, looking back now, especially in the finals, was such a joy to watch because of how he handled, handled himself in the games, how he handled himself off the court. This is a Disney movie, and we watched it happen. So no, well, this year was a little different because the teams were hurt when he went up against them and COVID and asterisk, none of that shit. We finally got what everybody whines about. So enjoy it because who knows when we'll see this again. 
he might have something we could get into taking the crown from the king. Something that he alluded to and pretended to do a little bit too early a couple years back. Not yet. But as Nick Wright said, maybe you agree or disagree, this might be Giannis's league at this moment. Uh, we shall see about that because I don't want to be too uh, premature and let's let it settle. But the point is we were waiting for this. Two consecutive MVPs, the flame out up to love to Toronto. Last year, Middleton gets hurt. Uh, I'm sorry, he, he get he, he, he I believe he goes down. Correct me if I'm wrong. Giannis goes down, not Middleton. Right. And they get upset by the Heat in the bubble. Now they come back, and uh, you know, the net, the big bad Nets, the super team, uh, are everybody's favorite. Sixers with Embiid. So they were kind of lurking. The snake in the grass, the underappreciated. Now that their time has come and gone. Meanwhile, they have gone out and got Holiday, who was out a chunk of the year. COVID, injuries. So they were never really hitting out all eight cylinders until the last third slash quarter of the year. As you know, I picked them to go to the finals in the preseason, the list of the Lakers. I picked them to go to the finals when the playoffs started. And once the Lakers lost, I picked them to go and win it. What they did is they took advantage of matchups and they did what they do best and they beat up teams where they had the advantage. They had the size advantage. They had the strength advantage against the Nets. They had it against the Hawks. They had it against the Suns. And as the series progressed, you saw them more and more and more and more take advantage of the size and the strength inside time after time after time to the point where the Suns simply got worn down. The Suns had no answer for him. Aiton started well, but he was beaten down by not just Giannis's strength, but Giannis is running the court and eight having to run the court constantly to defend him, to get in position to defend him and couldn't, he could not move his feet. He could not get himself squared up to Giannis, got himself in foul trouble and it affected him badly on the offensive end. His shots were tired. Beginning of the series, he shot a very high percentage, 70%. Last half of the series, those numbers dropped drastically. And, Coach Bud did a brilliant job deploying his bench. Remember, he didn't have Dante DiVincenzo. Every night, he got something from one guy. One night, it was Pat Connaughton. And obviously, in game six, it was a mammoth effort from Bobby Portis, who was brilliant. Made big shots, threes, twos, offensive and defensive rebounds, defending, being strong. They were the stronger team. They took advantage of their size. They took advantage of their strength, and they continued to pummel away. Not in an ugly fashion, just in a basketball fashion, in an old-school fashion. I was so thrilled to watch old, obviously, being the old report, I was so thrilled to watch basketball that wasn't dominated by the three-point shot. It was there. There were big threes made in big spots, but it wasn't 
33s. It wasn't teams taking 53s. You know, it's a, well, you know, whoever makes more threes, whoever makes whoever the first one to 40 on three is going to win the game. It may have been decided by who shot better from three, but it wasn't 25 for 50 from three. It was available threes. It was opportunistic threes, not let me shoot them from the logo threes. Once in a while that plays with me and it's fine, but I don't like to see a series dominated by anything. I like versatile basketball. I like the ball with the big guys in the paint. I like mid-range and I like threes when they're available. I like guys going to the rack off the dribble and dishing. I love to see guys finishing traffic. I love to see the ball in the box with guys using their size and their strength and taking advantage of that to post up and finish. And we got all of that in this series from various parties. On the box, we got the mid-range game and big threes from Middleton. We got a power point guard, a brilliant defender, who had one game of his life in Holiday, who has the nerves of a cat burglar and is fearless. We obviously got Giannis doing anything and everything on both ends of the court. And finally, at least for one game, not only climbing the ladder to greatness, but solving the Achilles heel, seventeen, oh, exercising the final demon at least for this one game, 17 for 19 from the free throw line. Unbelievable. 17 for, and clean ones, shooters rolls, nothing but nets. They looked good. They all, you, when, if, when you watched him go 17 for 19, it wasn't like Shaq having one of those games, which occasionally would have. They looked like he's a good shooter. It was to they the point like, at the end of the game where Pat Connaughton, is dribbling the ball around to use time and to also get fouled. And you're screaming out loud, Pat, you're 0 for Tuesday tonight, literally. Put Giannis and, on the and, line, man. And, That's and, who I want and, taking and, my and, free throws. And his two free throws were bricks to boot. Yeah. That's who I want taking my free throws tonight. Get Giannis on the line, man. Pass the ball. Forget about Middleton. We want Giannis. On the, the Sun side, you know, Booker obviously had two brilliant games, mostly mid-range. He's a, a wonderful young shot maker. Not a great player yet. Chris Paul had the one great game. Some stinkers when he was shut down by Holiday. I thought he played pretty well in game six. Not great. But this notion of, you know, this guy's great. That guy's great. This guy. Look, to be great, you have to play great. Great is being great more often than not. You don't have to be Michael Jordan to be great. You don't have to be Kobe Bryant to be great, but you got to be great half the time or more in these games. One great one, a couple good ones and a couple stinkers does not make a great player. That makes a really good player. Middleton had a great game. He had a couple stinkers and he had a couple good games. He's a really good player. Chris Paul is a really good player. Maybe he was a great player once. He's not anymore. Most 2-0 losses in history of any player. Uh, most 2-0 losses in series of any player in NBA history. But you know, he, he had a great game one. He had some stinkers. And he had uh, a good game six. Booker had two great games. He had a couple stinkers. And he had a, you know, a good game in there. That doesn't mean those are great players. That means those are really good players. Holiday had a game for the ages, an all-time game. He had great games defensively, 
but he had he was four for nineteen in game six. He was four for twenty in game four. And they won both of those games because of his defensive presence. Giannis, meanwhile, was good, great, 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 great. There was one great player in these finals. His name is Giannis. He's a two-time MVP. He's defensive player of the year. He's the finals MVP. I'm not going to tell you what table he's going to sit at. I'm not going to tell you what room he belongs in. I'm not going to tell you where he's going to wind up. He's only in his mid-20s. I will say, if Giannis continues to improve and hone his game, and that doesn't mean go out and get a jump shot. He's got a jump shot now. It's not very good. But at times, it's not bad. And down the stretch of this game six, he went into the paint and made the 12-footers, the 13-footers, uh, You know, even made a three early. When you do that a few times in a game, you make everything else better. And he wasn't afraid to take that shot instead of going out and facing up and barging in and leaving it in the hands of the officials to call a charge or a block. We didn't see the Giannis Eurostep barging into the paint nearly as frequently in this postseason and clearly not in these finals. We saw him spinning when it was there. We saw him taking advantage of a tired Eaton taking advantage of his size and strength. We saw his decision-making rise like a, literally a cold spring day going to a hot sunny day within 24 hours. It's almost like his basketball IQ morphed during these finals. We saw the passing to the open teammates for the threes. We saw his refusal to charge, his refusal to literally barge into the wall. He showed far more restraint. He showed far more versatility. He showed far better judgment. What does that mean? He's growing up. He's maturing as a basketball player, both in terms of his ability physically, but more so mentally. And as he continues to improve that, and we also saw his absolute physicality and his mental fortitude, his intestinal fortitude by coming back from an injury like it never happened. He said he didn't watch it. Why didn't he watch it? Because if I watched it, I think it was going to be worse than it was. I'm okay. I feel okay. If I watch it, I think I may not be okay. That is a unique and extraordinary thought process I have never heard anyone before say in terms of why you didn't watch an injury because it would weaken your mindset as to how you would feel physically. He's climbing the ladder. He is climbing the ladder to all time greatness. Now, if he continues to go up those rungs, he will be a plain and simple all time player in the history of the NBA. But it remains to be seen what table he's going to be at. It remains to be seen what room he's going to be in. Let's just, as you said, enjoy now the fact that he has ascended to the top of the mountain this year after people literally gave up on it because the last two playoff flameouts had been after the MVP years when everybody thought he was the next guy with KD out to take the throne from LeBron. Now, 
all three will be back. All three will be healthy. All three will be on very good teams. So it will remain to be seen how the three best players in the league right now, put them in whatever order you want. I'm not going to fight about it. That's not what this is for. It's not about a fight. It's about a coronation of who the best was this year. And the best this year was Giannis because he made it through healthy. He carried his team on his back. He fought against what we thought was an awful injury, played through it after some rest and rehabilitation, and then led his team to a championship. That is greatness. And that's where he is right now. There were more than enough doubters for this NBA finals for the postseason in general about these small market teams. Will these games be exciting? Will they be worth the watch? Well, the NBA finals certainly didn't disappoint overall and the performances from Giannis were must see TV in themselves. He had to watch the game just to see what he was going to do. And he capped it off, as we mentioned with one of the best finals games that there was. And not only was this an old report game of game six, it was an old report team playing in game six. I mean, this is a team that did things like we used to see in the nineties, in the early two thousands, where you got the draft prospect that you hoped would be the face of the franchise. You tried to build the team around him. You had the playoff struggles. You had the losses that people thought should have been wins but you had that experience. And then you have the guy say, I want to be here for the rest of my life. Let's run it back. And you make it happen in thrilling fashion. I mean, we don't see this happen with teams anymore. They go out and they get their guys and granted they got drew holiday, but that core remained. And that's exciting for the future of the bucks. I literally, when he was at the podium in the post game and was asked about the team and the group. And he didn't even finish before leaving the microphone. He talked about the team being together, going through the journey together, and he and Middleton being together the whole time. And then he just walks away from the microphone and goes and gives him a big bear hug. That, that, that's... I get choked up watching that because that's what we want. That's what we talk about what we want. That's what we want to see. We want to see the guy put the city on his shoulders. We want to see the guy stay. We want to see the guy play through it. We want to see the guy work to get better and lead and be patient and not run away and sign the long-term deal to the group franchise owners, front office that risked taking with the 15 pick when he was a skinny kid from Greece and that invested in him and said, now you've achieved personally in terms of how much you've improved and you've got your two MVPs. And now we want to make the commitment to you financially with a mega deal. And instead of in the preseason saying, let's put it off until after the season, so an entire team, an entire organization, an entire city, and an entire league are talking about it all year long. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? He puts it to bed in the preseason. And everybody in Milwaukee can put their head on their pillow and get a good night's sleep. 
and everybody in Milwaukee knows he's ours. And he's to be admired for that as well, because everybody on talk radio, everybody in media, everybody in print who bitches, that's what they're constantly bitching about. Yes, he got a boatload of money. Yes, if he went elsewhere, he couldn't have got quite as much, but the boat would have been maybe a slightly smaller boat. He's on the Lusitania, okay, you know, in, in, instead of the Titanic uh, in terms of the size. Either way, the point is when he did that, he allowed his entire organization and city to exhale. And it's better to be on the boat that's not going to sink. Shout out to the Lusitania and not the Titanic. And this will potentially, maybe this will slightly soothe the potential wound that's coming if Aaron Rodgers decides to tip his cap and head elsewhere. They'll at least be able to say, hey, we got Giannis. As the old report, I wanted to get a quick thought from you about where Giannis ranks, because that was, of course, the main talking points of sports talk radio. The tears of this are always hilarious to me. It was, okay, where does the 50-point game rank in finals history and closeout games in game six? Where does the entire finals performance rank in NBA history? Where does his career rank in NBA history? He has one more championship than both LeBron and Michael Jordan had at 26. His statistic, like we just said, just breathe for a second. But you've watched a lot of basketball, and I just am curious to see where you put that 50-point performance and the finals performance in the list, because whenever they threw names up, as that game was going on, and especially afterward, it's usually Michael Jordan, and then insert one to three more players as the other one, and then Giannis. The list was crazy. So I don't know if we're missing anybody is what I'm getting at. It was a ridiculous list because they were incredibly all-time, all-world players. I will say it again. You can look these players up, folks. When I was growing up, the all-time NBA team was unquestioned. It was... Jerry West and Oscar Robertson at the guards. It was the great Bob Pettit of the St. Louis Hawks and the great Elgin Baylor, Jerry West team of the Los Angeles Lakers at the forwards. And it was the forever fight of Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell in the center spot. Bob Pettit was a name you heard because he had a 50 point game in a series clinching game against the Celtics in 1957 for the Hawks only championship. You heard the name Jerry West, who is the only MVP from a losing team when the Lakers lost to the Celtics in 1969. If you look up his numbers, absolutely brilliant. Uh, Plus 40, I believe 42 points in a game seven. Walt Frazier's phenomenal game seven against the Lakers the next year in Madison Square Garden. Uh, the 1970 title where he was literally played the greatest game of his life in game seven against the Lakers. Magic Johnson's game six stands out to me, as I mentioned before, because they go into Philadelphia without Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had an ankle injury, did not even make the trip, up 3-2. Now remember, Magic Johnson is a rookie after his two years in Michigan State, fresh off a national title as a sophomore, and he goes into Philadelphia. And this is not the Phoenix Suns. This is the Philadelphia 76ers with uh, seven foot Caldwell Jones, six foot 11, 280 pound Daryl Dawkins, all time defensive forward Bobby Jones, all time forward Julius Irving, all time point guard in terms of playmaker Maurice Chase. 
and the list goes on and on. A fabulous Philadelphia team. Magic goes in, plays all five positions on the floor, including center, and goes for 42. Gives a big assist from Jamal Wilkes, who I believe at 35. You can look it up. And they stun the Sixers in game six and win a championship where the game was on tape delay. That's how far we've come. Tape delay, folks. Brent Musburger calling it. That, to me, stands out as the greatest game-clinching performance I've ever seen. And obviously, since then, we've had the games from uh, LeBron, which are memorable for both uh, the Cavs, games he's played in conference finals uh, for the Heat, games he's played, obviously, for the Cavs. Uh, But to me, this game is just a notch below what I saw from Magic Johnson. Michael's performances with the flu, tremendous, the exhaustion against the Jazz, absolutely brilliant. But this performance by Giannis was so unique because of the uniqueness of the player. He is really unlike anybody with the possible exception of Anthony Davis in terms of his physical presence and versatility and dexterity. Anthony, you know, he doesn't have LeBron James to handle the basketball most of the, you know, a good chunk of the time like Anthony Davis does. He is required, quite frankly, to do more for his team, obviously, than Anthony Davis is, as great as Anthony Davis was for the Lakers when they won it. And as much as he does, he still has LeBron, and no disrespect to the Bucs, LeBron, even now, at his advanced stage, is better than anybody on the Bucs supporting cast. And that I don't think anybody will consider that a knock on Middleton or a knock on the guy he had the man crush on, which I can't say enough, Drew Holiday. But what you got was a brilliant performance, which absolutely goes down in the annals of clearly, you know, top three, top four of all time that I've ever seen in the finals, certainly in a game clinching performance from my end. I would put it, you know, right there with Magic's performance in game six. And Jordan's performance, you know, against the Jazz, it's it's clearly one for the ages. And the thing that continues to stand out to me again is that how hard he played, ninety-four feet for forty-two minutes. And to his credit, you also saw and Coach Bud did it twice in Game Six, where he specifically saw Giannis was gassed, and instead of taking him out, he called timeout. This is a guy that we ripped to shreds early on in the playoffs. And it really, it comes down to the notion that we all think we know everything. These guys know this game inside out. They have been in it for life. Coaches coach. It's what they do. Mike Fratello said years ago, win a ch- keep, keep coaching, win a championship or live the extra 10 years. He'll take the coaching and he'll take the championship because that's what they do. That's their life. They live it, they eat it, they breathe it. It's film study, it's tendencies, it's scouting. It's cool. They are committed to the game. And Coach Bud shows that, yes, indeed, he indeed knows how to coach. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America.
We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. If there was one surprise that if you had said before the series, well, the Bucks won in six, you wouldn't really bat an eye at that. I think the one surprise was them being able to win four straight just because of the personnel of Chris Paul and Devin Booker, who, as we know, could go off at any given time. And the other team can struggle, and you just have those games happen. The surprise, I guess, would be that Monty Williams wasn't able to figure something out in those four games to steal one home or away. And well, Coach Bud was making there, a lot of changes successfully and did his job. There was, again, that's where Drew Holiday comes in. They're not going to beat you inside with Giannis there. And, with, you know, underrated and as much maligned as we were with him as well, with the size of Brooke Lopez who he's bigger than anybody else they got. Had some big buckets in all games here, there, had a six-point run in game six, you know, out of nowhere with a little push shot in the lane and then a dunk. How about the runs real quick in game six from the randoms? You had Frank Kaminsky making big baskets down his stretch, Brooke Lopez, some of the names, Bobby Portis is going on a run. It, was it wasn't just the stars. It was interesting who stepped up when they needed them right. to right. out throughout and the game for both teams. Game six, 55-50, second half, Suns ball, chance for a seven or eight point lead, Drew Holiday steal. Drew Holiday steal, foul, two free throws, starts an eight point run. All right. Uh, and next thing you know, they are ahead 58-55. Uh, they fell behind by a bucket later on, but I really thought that was a huge turning point in the game where you, it looked like maybe the Suns could have taken control and Holiday took it from them again. And again, you talked about, well, you know, the two games here do something to steal one. That's where, again, Coach Bud was brilliant because he put Holiday in what he thought was the proper spot defensively to stop the player that needed to be stopped. For the Suns to win this series, it wasn't just about Booker going off or Paul going off. They needed them both to have a really good game at the same time. And they did for two games. They didn't the rest of the series. And that was because at some point in time, whenever he thought it most important, Drew Holiday was guarding one of them. So as a result, it was impossible for both of them to have a good game on the same night for four nights. And it it, it was a huge force in this series. I, I mean, when... Booker had his big games. Paul was okay at best or bad. When Paul had his good games, Booker was benched. Or game six, shooting blanks. They needed needed to badly outplay the backcourt in four games because you knew they were going to get badly outplayed up front. And the way it turned out, the bench play favored the Bucks for the most part as well between you know, Portis or Connaughton. And they simply could not get four really good, strong games 
together out of their backcourt. Without the ability to do that, they couldn't win this series, and they couldn't win this series because of Drew Holiday. The block, the oop, the 50, and then the 50 chicken nuggets at the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. Half lemonade, half Sprite, no ice. The drink of the summer after the performance of the NBA Finals. We can't tip our cap enough to Giannis and enjoy the rest of summer to party it up here, there, anywhere, because he's a star, and deservedly so. Now, real quick before we get out of here, nobody circles the wagons quite like the National Football League, and I know our football fans are very pissy that we just spent most of the episode talking. Hoop. Well, we had to look at it. It's the NBA Finals. You don't care, Al. Eh, the finals. Yeah, well, they, Get look, to my they, sport. They, they need to care because the new report and the old report are about sports. We're about big-time sports. We're about the NFL. We're about MLB. And this was the NBA's time to shine. It was their moment. They deserved this tribute, as did the Bucks and Giannis tonight. And this was our way of doing it. Our hope is that we make you care just a little bit. That's all we're asking for. Just a little bit. One episode's worth of care is what we're looking for. The NFL announced today in a incredible statement for Roger Goodell and the National Football League, basically a get fucked to the unvaccinated in the National Football League. The NFL informed its clubs not to use a soccer word, it's teams that if a game cannot be rescheduled during the now 18 week season due to a COVID outbreak among unvaccinated players, the team with the outbreak will forfeit and be credited a loss for playoff seating, which is obviously of massive implications and perhaps the biggest penalty for its players. If the game is canceled and cannot be rescheduled within the 18-week schedule. Due to a COVID outbreak, neither team's players will receive their weekly paragraph 5 salary, i.e. no one gets paid. Now, I know some people might think that the NFL is doing this for the health and well-being of its players. We know far well that that's bullshit. And they haven't done anything for the health and safety of their players since its inception, really. They'll make you believe that's the case, but there's always an underlying issue. And that now is the money. Because the NFL looked at its bottom line from last year when they had to cancel games and move things around and screw with the television schedule and said, nah, we ain't doing that again this year. You vaccinate your guys or you're getting punished. The money's not coming out of our pockets this time around. You ain't getting paid. You're getting the loss. It's screwing with your playoff implications. We're not taking the fall anymore. Here's what you have to do. Get vaccinated. Get the team above the threshold, and you've got nothing to worry about, and you've got plenty of time to do it. Now, if you've listened to the show long enough, you know we don't really have much more to say than good. Get your shot. Get your shot. You guys play in a sport with the science has proven is a mammoth risk to your health, to your brain. 
and yet you decide to play it for the love of the game. You take shots all the time to kill pain. We've seen it. We've heard about it, what you guys do to get on the field. This is not a matter of politics. Whether you are a Republican, whether you are a Democrat, whether you are a liberal, whether you are, whether you are a conservative, this is about health and science. If your decision is to fly in the face of that and refuse to have the vaccine, you're simply an idiot. It's got nothing to do with the color of your skin, where you went to school, who your parents are, how you were raised. The science doesn't lie. The vaccine protects you from the virus and from the serious results of the virus. You are not immune from getting it, but it almost all but assures that you will not get incredibly sick from it, hospitalized from it, or die from it, as over 600,000 people have. If you don't want to take the vaccine because you feel it's imposing the will upon you and you would rather retire, retire. If you're that hell-bent against science and that hell-bent against health and that hell-bent against protecting yourself, your teammates, your opponents, those around you, then retire. Plain and simple. This is, this is not a state, government, federally imposed mandate. This is a private employer telling you we are requiring you to get vaccinated as a condition of your employment. And if you do not, and if your team cannot play games because of positive tests, those games will not be made up. Those games will go down as losses and you and your opponents will not get paid. Seems to me that the decision is a very simple, even before this, it was a simple one, but they could not have made it any easier for you. Stop being an ass, roll up your sleeve and get your shot. That goes for everybody in the NFL. And quite frankly, that goes for everybody who can hear my voice. Shockingly, a tip of the cap to the national football league. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Can't wait, folks. Until next time, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.